And welcome to Women Leading in Cannabis. I'm your host, Kira Reed. Thank you for joining us. Our guest today is Franny Tracy, founder of Franny's Farm. Welcome, Franny. Well, hello. Glad to be here. I am thrilled to have you as my guest as well. Franny is the first female hemp farmer in North Carolina in over 75 years. Franny first entered the hemp scene with a force behind education and collaborations. She's now considered one of the preeminent experts of all things hemp. She participates in the hemp research trials with North Carolina State University and has a TEDx speech on hemp and is a founding member of the Women in Hemp nonprofit. As an aspiring farmer who has developed into a catalyst for the U.S. hemp scene, Franny has developed Franny's Pharmacy into a vertically integrated brand involved in growing processing, manufacturing, distributing, and franchising with eight CBD dispensaries across four states, all with the intention to deliver easy and safe access to and quality products from seed to shelf with an emphasis on hemp and health. Franny's Farm in Asheville, North Carolina, now serves as an agritourism hub, welcoming visitors from all over the world to stay and enjoy the lodging experience, celebrate a farm wedding, participate in goat yoga, and so much more. Franny has degrees and work experience in forestry and education and worked in the pharmaceutical industry for over a decade. Wow. I am so excited to talk with you today, Franny. So I'm first off, I'm very curious about your journey and how you got to be not just the first female hemp farmer in North Carolina, but really the leading hemp brand in North Carolina and the South. Will you share your journey with us today? Well, absolutely. And it has been an amazing journey of one which I'm still on. Um, but, you know, coming from a mother who was a corporate businesswoman and a father that was farming. I was kind of raised with farming as my hobby and passion throughout my entire life. So always wanted to be a farmer and have a farm. Uh, I wasn't dreams of a big white wedding. Uh, So it wasn't until my 40s that this desire to exit corporate America and really do something different inspired the purchase of our farm in 2012. Um, I was still working in pharmaceuticals then, uh, and it was in a regenerative ag farm. I was teaching business classes for farmers. And that's when I saw a booth that was set up that said, let farmers grow hemp. And when I went and talked to these people, I was just astonished at what was going on, eyes open, jumped in to really help North Carolina. It was still federally illegal. So uh, we had to get, North Carolina was the only state that had farmers fund this program. And we had to raise $200,000, get 100,000 signatures, all this stuff that happened for over a year to actually pull together. It had gone through legislation, which is super 
sensitive for everybody right now and not pass over five times. Oh. And then uh, one night at 11.59, we got approved. And the next day when they said, all right, North Carolina can grow hemp. Well, it was three weeks before we were supposed to have it in the ground. And I leaped, leaped. And then we said, we're going to figure it out on the back end. Do not recommend that now. Okay. <laughs> We've come a long way as an industry. And so being the first led us to have to figure out everything. So over the past two years, with all my experience and my business partners, we opened our first dispensary, which funded our second dispensary and distribution, then manufacturing, and now these franchises. And in an unregulated market, which it still is with lots of obstacles, our objective is to help other people. And by helping other people, it builds our brand. It helps them establish their own businesses. And we just figured it all out and are here to help others. So that's really a short version of what's happened over the past several years. Can you speak a little bit more about what you were just referring to with your franchises? How do have you established them? And it sounds like you may have a little bit of a different intention underneath those business models. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. So in franchising, and we had some experience doing this about 20 years ago in another industry. And the reason it was so important to bring this opportunity to a franchise model is so that this is not business as usual for credit card processing, for advertising, for websites, for any social media campaigns, we needed to figure it all out to present a business plan for people to follow the model. And of course, it builds the entire brand because we are vertically integrated. And so that was the real passion behind it. It builds the brand, but also it builds other people and gives them an opportunity to break into a market that just doesn't, that has a guideline. It is you know, we put you on the track and then we put this force of our brand in the engine and the locomotion to just get it rolling down really quick. And it just takes out all the risk for anybody looking to get involved in business. That's amazing. So I, one of the things I love about the hemp and CBD industry is that it actually lowers the barrier to entry for so many women who are so deeply affected and passionate about hemp, CBD, and the THC world, but don't have the means to yet jump into THC, whether it's because they're not in a legal state like you are in North Carolina, or they don't have the funds. How many women are participating in your business model? And is it something that is easier for them to attain than if they were going to just go out on their own and do something like this? Well, absolutely. Collaborations and partnerships with people that have aligned values, integrity, and ethics are essential to this. We have so many women within our own corporate office that are leaders in distribution and running manufacturing, and we have women leadership all throughout. What I see is lacking is the women entrepreneurs right now getting involved in the franchise model. We've got all men right now. Um, but interesting, when we look at our marketing and our numbers, over 60% of all our sales are women. 
women ages 25 to 45, we are the ones that I call the sandwich generation. We're taking care of the elderly. We're taking care of our children, our pets, our family, our community. And so women are the force behind education, behind these collaborations. Women are executives all throughout this industry. But it's time for us as women to step up into our power, into our roles, and change these old rules and create the new ones that are for business these days. And women are at the helm of that. So as a female owner and brand for this business, I'm always talking to women. I'm like, come on, we take care of everybody. It's most important for us to take care of ourselves before we can do that for anybody else. And so very much encouraging more and more women to really step into that key leadership role. In doing so, in your experience as a woman stepping into these leadership roles in the hemp and CBD industry, what has been an where has being a woman been an asset and where has it been a hindrance? And can your experience offer some insight and advice to other women who may face these same barriers if they want to get into these industries? Yeah, so some of my biggest challenges are are also the biggest they're the biggest opportunities. So this is an industry without a doubt as a woman that has spoken all over the country, uh, we represent a small voice in a very white male dominated industry. Um, it really takes collaboration. Um, we need everybody. We need everybody in this industry. So I tell women a lot of times they'll look at themselves and say, well, I don't necessarily have all the experience. Well, guess what? Lead from where you are. Lead from wherever you are, because women have experiences, life, and ability to collaborate like nobody else. We are the networkers. We are the educators. We are the voice for our families and our country. So it's important that we step into leadership, that we lead from where we are. We demand what we deserve and we create our own path. So that's where my passion is to give this path to people to say, you don't have to go create your own jump on. We're in this together. It's time to lock arms. We've got a system. We'll train you. It's what is within, what's inside, not necessarily your outside and your resume that are going to make you successful. I just did another interview with a woman who was talking about the fact that in order for us to really kind of grab the mantle of power in this industry and to really see the change in numbers and ownership and entrepreneurship, we have to come together and support each other because the biggest barrier to entry is money. And it's just not something we are shaking the trees and banging the doors and it's just not coming our way. So the next solution is that we come together and we support each other and we say, we want that woman over there to be successful. What can I do to assist her in doing that? What are some of the things that you see women in the CBD and hemp industry can do to benefit each other whether we're trying to help one woman get into the industry or help another woman succeed, what are some of the most valuable things that we can give to each other, ways we can support each other that goes beyond money? Well, without a doubt, 
lifting each other up and supporting each other's brands. One way we do that, there are many women that are educators and nurses that we have also collaborated with and put customers in contact with. There's so many different ways that we can support each other. Um, and money is, it goes in the hemp industry and finding funding. It is more challenging because there are not banks lending to this industry. It's a lot more, um, there's a lot more loopholes to jump through. And so it is important to know that we have alternative funding and ways for people to enter into that market without the cost barrier. Um, but again, looking at what we offer, supporting each other, collaborating, looking at the big picture. It's interesting um, when the FDA pulled 86 products to sample for CBD, only 24 of them even had CBD in it. Of that, four companies out of the total 86 were female run and all four of those fell into a category of the 24 that were doing it right with integrity. Of course. Of course. Um, of course, exactly. So it is so important. This is not a competitive industry. We've only tapped 3% of the market. This is not a time to compete. This is a time to collaborate. So it has to be a win-win. Um, otherwise, it's just an exchange of money. It's, it's two business. Um, so finding the people that resonate with your message it's always, you've got to be clear and it's got to be focused. So we do this with farmers. I love the way that farmers are doing. So many women farmers are in the hemp industry. It is just mind blowing. And so many women are actually running the operations for these businesses. Mm -hmm. so it's time to, to look, what do they need to do to step over from being in operations to being into ownership. And there's a lot of very interesting and alternative ways to do that. But it's, it's really, you've got to find, there's so many people I deal with and a lot of us re really resonate and there's sometimes it doesn't. So be true, know what you want to accomplish and find the people that agree with you. Let's talk about the hemp industry as separate from how it impacts women. Let's look at the industry as a whole. So out here in California, when the uh, hemp legalization occurred, it was a mad rush to get hemp in the ground. There were not a lot of contracts on the other end. There were a lot of people who actually didn't know what they were doing, mixing with commercial agriculture. And the result is that very few people are actually growing hemp in Western states this year. How, what do you see as being the impact of this in the CBD world? Obviously, because the hemp is grown for the CBD. So if we have a lack of hemp that's being grown, we're going to have a lack of CBD available on the other end. And is this happening in Southern states like North Carolina and Kentucky, or is this just happening in the states that jumped on board since the farm bill passed? Well, I, I have a very wicked sense of humor. So I call this uh, story that you just laid out, I call it hemp fever. <laughs> um, it, it happens in any new industry. People see dollar signs and they get distracted with the money part of it. 
part of what's led to our success is just like any crop you would grow, you grow small and you establish the roots in order for it to prosper. So what happened is a lot of people jumped in, got investment, and they put tons and tons of money into something that just hasn't panned out. We're not in a shortage of hemp. I can tell you that. We have hundreds of thousands of pounds sitting in manufacturing facilities that are going bankrupt, sitting in warehouses. This is why we are not growing as much today. It's because everybody that did with the hemp fever realized, oh, wait, you, if you're going to make something, you got to sell, you got to have a buyer. Mm-hmm. So part of the reason our model is successful too is because we buy just from farmers, not these brokers. And we've kept small. We integrate our farmers into research programs where they're using the same genetics, they're getting the same testing, and they've got agronomists that are supporting them. So it's just it's just business kind of 101. A new industry, it happened with the beer industry. Microbrews popped up on, we have 40 within an eight-mile radius in Asheville. Coffee shops. I mean, it's just kind of what happens when new opportunities come in business. Bunch of people get in and a bunch of people get out. Uh, And what you see is the few people that really grew a brand or something with a bigger purpose. Those are the ones still around. Uh, What people didn't realize is, you know, we grew two quarter acre plots, which created hundreds of thousands of products for a brand that we already had the sales channel for. We had all these franchises, corporate dispensaries, wholesale accounts. So it was time. I mean, this has been the era of the great pause. Stop, pause, look, look at your business plan. How has the industry changed? A little crop goes a long way. Do you want to grow um, horticulturally for a top cut flower, which is where your money is? It doesn't require hundreds and tens of, not even 10 acres. So I think that the market has adjusted and this is very, very good. We needed to adjust and that's what this year has been. So yes, we've seen a bunch of businesses go out and what we're seeing is some of the smaller solid brands that continue to persist. So if you look out Two years and five years, where do you see the hemp industry? What excites you about it and what makes you really nervous? Well, all of it really excites me because I'm involved in every aspect of hemp. So what we're seeing right now with CBD, everything has its bell curve. So CBD is on the rise. We haven't seen its peak or, you know, the top of this by any means, But we'll see really large brands, and we're already seeing that Coca-Cola, these huge, massive corporations that are getting involved in the market, which will open access. Mm -hmm. And then we see small brands like what we're doing that are really connecting consumers with a person that backs a brand and all these really amazing things that only a small company can do. So this is great. That bell curve on CBD is going on right now. Um, we'll see lots more franchises and this become a lot more, you know, just normalized throughout our society. 
where the next growth opportunities are, the other bell curves are coming in hemp and they have nothing to do with CBD. They have to do with fiber, which is a way that we revitalize our agro economies and our agriculture in the Midwest. We've got building materials that come out of that and food. So we're going to see hemp start expanding into all these other markets where the variety grown is different from a CBD variety. So there's so much more and so much more excitement as we bring this into our American society for industry to grow throughout hemp. We need more and more people in every aspect of it now. Attorneys, we need accountants, nurses, people in retail. It's now becoming an opportunity where wherever your skill set is, there's a place for you to get involved. What does decriminalization of THC? Because if the MORE Act passes and we end up descheduling cannabis, it means it is no longer federally illegal. What you're in, you're in one of those states where hemp is doing really, really, really well, but they're not putting cannabis on at the THC part on the ballot. What will that federal legalization mean to the hemp industry in North Carolina? So it's it's a great, great question, and one that I get asked. All the time, one of the leading questions is how does hemp and THC, how do these interact? Well, we already see regardless when federal legalization will happen, it will happen. It's just a matter of timing. What we already see is that each state will have its regulations of how it can roll out. They are two completely separate businesses. In marijuana, the two things it's used for are pain and recreation. In hemp, you have the world as your market, elderly, children, dogs, women, all of this is your market. They still are not sold in the same retail locations or e-commerce sites in any state where they're both legally, where they're both federally legal. So, it's very interesting. They will continue to be two separate business models into the near future and even longer term future into that two to five years because there's so much confusion about what they both offer in a marijuana dispensary. It's got to be over 21. There's a, and like I said, that market is so limited. They do not sell them in the same place. They won't sell them in the same place. You know, this in Colorado, they have a brand, the same brand with a CBD store and a THC store. So rest assured that it's all important to grow cannabis, but hemp will continue to be seen and operated as a very separate business. But, you know, the reason I asked is the last time that I was in North Carolina last year, um, educating my family there, and we were driving around a lot of different towns in Western North Carolina. And it looked very similar to the landscape in California with the green crosses outside. I mean, there is a CBD dispensary everywhere, but we don't have CBD dispensaries in California. There, you know, there we very clearly have THC dispensaries. So it was very interesting to see what looked like on the outside, something very similar, but on the inside was entirely different. And so it's created on the one hand a sense of openness about 
CBD and therefore cannabis in the state, but there's still this intense reluctance to to welcome THC into the environment. So I was just curious how that was all going to play out when THC finally, you know, from the upper levels allow makes it more possible in North Carolina. So it is, you know, I've been involved on the legal side of this the entire time. We're in Raleigh. We're always having to rally. I will tell you from the legal standpoint and the political standpoint, they are not wanting these to be integrated. They need them and want them and continue to have them separate. As new states come online, they are being handled completely separately. And so it is going to be a very interesting thing, and it will be necessary at some point to integrate what is cannabis. So everybody knows it's all the same, kind of like tomatoes. We're not using cherry tomatoes to make a pasta sauce. But this is comes with lots and lots of education and normalization. So what we see and what I'm optimistic and hopeful for is as THC becomes something that is normalized and also becomes federally legal, that it becomes more common through common knowledge and understanding. I stood on a stage for GMOs eight years ago and nobody knew what a GMO was. Mm. That's where we are in this industry. Within the next few years, the more and more and the more these big companies get in, the more the public is going to begin to understand what the difference is. And that is going to be, it is going to be led by the public Everything in cannabis is we, the people, we, the people. That's where decriminalization is coming along. That is how we got hemp federally legal, but hemp is legal. And this, it really crosses into a lot of stuff. What's going on with Delta eight, which is derived from THC, lots of confusion. And I sit on a panel with the FDA. They want these continued to be kept separate now and in the near future. So we have to understand that as we're trying to make our forces and our statements and our moving the ball forward about how to bring this into the public and to in public awareness. And that's just where it is. As the knowledge, awareness, research, and momentum to move the cannabis industry forward, and cannabis includes both hemp and marijuana, Every new issue becomes an issue. Um, And Delta 8 is what we see across the U.S. right now. We've had smokable hemp in every state that comes across. Like, how do we differentiate that? Delta 8 has been a huge issue uh, because it's derived from THC, even though, you know, we have attorneys on all sides of the fence here. What we see politically And without a doubt, as being somebody that's super involved in this through FDA and through our North Carolina and the Southeast, is that they want hemp and marijuana to remain separate. It is until federal federal legalization is in place, they don't even want to consider anything that is a crossover. So Delta 8, even though it's being sold in CBD dispensaries all across the country, is being pulled in certain states. North Carolina, you cannot sell Delta 8 anymore. Mm. And 
what we'll see. So just as smokable hemp has gone across every single state, Delta 8 is rolling through every single state. And it's now being referred to normal to get involved in the campaign to bring this into the hemp industry. So it's very, it's, it's a confusing path. This is one reason like for Franny's and our brand, we stay super focused, super focused. We are proponents of cannabis, but our business and our focus and everything we do is aligned with growing hemp and CBD because that's where we are in this state and in the Southeast. And that until we have federal legalization of everything, it's always going to roll out state to state to state. So it's important for people in business to know where they are, know where you are, what is your market, stay focused. It is not a good business decision to be dabbling all over the place right now. Stay focused. Great advice. Franny, if people want to get in touch with you, if they want to take a tour of their farm, what is the best way to reach out to you? I'm everywhere and there's so many great ways. Um, People can even reach me directly. Franny at franniespharmacy.com. That is straight link to me. And if you want to talk business, I want to talk business with you. Uh, But our website, franniespharmacy.com, and that's F-A-R-M-A-C-Y. Our tagline is putting the farm in pharmacy. That was our heart. Go to franniespharmacy.com. You can learn more about franchise opportunities, about stock campaigns for our manufacturing facility, um, how to become a wholesaler, how to just you be a customer and support the brand. That is where the beginning of all the ways to reach us is through our website. Um, and of course, we're on social media. So that's super fun. You can follow Franny Tacy, Franny's Farm or Franny's Pharmacy or all of them. They really each represent different aspects of this hemp industry. I personally, through the Franny Tacy, um, really talk a lot about women in leadership, what type of values we need to have, what type of qualities we need to have, what we need to do. Um, And our farm, of course, is focused on growing and the opportunities here and how to book a, a stay here. But the pharmacy is where all the opportunities are and the business and the products. And if women are interested in joining Women in Hemp, is that only in North Carolina or is that a national program? It is a national program. It's predominantly in the Southeast. LinkedIn is a great way to do that. The real mission behind that has been for farmers, product product development, and um, business people that are interested on the business aspect of it. That is where our research trials and everything is funded and honed in through that Women in Hemp nonprofit. And so LinkedIn is the best way to connect with us. And my final question is, during COVID, are you still doing farm tours? We do farm tours by appointment only, so they do have to be scheduled. But I want people to know, although the Hemp History Tour is still up, we grow outdoors in the sun, so harvest season is over. Super happy you can see the amazing pictures when I just got to drop it off at the processors yesterday. Huge bags of biomass. Um 
But this, our farm is just an amazing, beautiful place to connect with the passion of what catapulted all this. We grew for over a year before we even got in to our own product development or opening a dispensary. So if you want to feel good and get a sense of connection, come see us at the farm. I know that as soon as I can get to North Carolina to visit my family, I am taking them all to Franny's and we are going to take a tour of the farm. I am so excited. I was so bummed last year. And you can visit the baby goats while you're there. Oh, while you're there. Yeah. Thank you, Franny, for your time and for sharing your journey with us today. I really appreciate you coming and talking with me. Well, I appreciate everything that y'all are doing to raise awareness and educate. Thank you so much. It's so important. I, I totally agree. And ladies, thank you for tuning in. If you haven't yet joined the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, go to our website at womenempoweredincannabis.com and find your group, the Supply Chain, CBD and Hemp, and the recently launched Women of Color group. WEIC is a community that provides resources, connections, events, and content to women working in cannabis in the U.S., Canada, and around the world where there's an interest in cannabis legalization. We welcome women who are currently working in cannabis or curious about taking a leap into the industry. And if you're getting bored during COVID and want to connect with other women in a virtual social setting, check out House of Jane, a collaboration between WEIC and Tokativity. We host a salon-style event the second Wednesday of each month. RSVP now at houseofjane.com. And join us next week for another conversation with women leading in cannabis. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out A Major Journey today on all major podcast platforms.